This is Mike Burton. I am from the Genuine Chit Chat Podcast, where we have honest conversations with interesting people. Different guests, every episode. Come check us out. And you are listening to the Hall of Mirrors podcast. You're on the right tracks. So we finally met up. <laughs> we did after, oh God, pulling my own mic out. That's really good to start the podcast with. Yes, after talking on uh, Instagram and things and, you know, appreciating from afar, it's delightful to be able to sit down with you and finally chat and see your amazing logo in air quotes in person. <laughs> uh, thanks. Thanks so much. The logo is funny. Uh, Mike and I, when we started this, uh, we got together. I pitched him the idea of the podcast. Hmm. He actually came up with our name on a fly because it's a uh, a mix of our last names. Mm, yeah. So we had a contest on a website to, for someone to design our logo, and they mm. would, they won like three hundred dollars is what we paid. Oh wow! But I have some machinist friends, and they uh, I gave them our our file, and mm-hmm. they Waterjet is the tool that they used, and yeah, made that for me. So. That's amazing. I mean, that's really cool. I mean, almost everything to do with my show is like completely DIY, um, which is one of the many reasons why I don't have a flashy logo behind me because I do all the graphic design uh, and all of the uh, editing, social media, all that stuff. And it's just me, including yeah. contacting people for guests, which your, is your a stuff pain. is good. You got you have an awesome channel, and I and I feel you because I do all the editing and producing myself. Oh, nice. Yeah, so I hear you, <laughs> but. This, I just felt like, man, we, we need something because we had a studio and then we didn't have a studio and then I, we had to build something quick. So, mm, yeah, I've got, I've got plans. I mean, at the moment I'm just living in a, in a flat or a, apartment uh, with my girlfriend and we're saving up to hopefully buy a house next year. And then when that happens, it's going to be, you know, I'm tempted to paint. Um, I have a wall behind me and just paint it all green to have like yeah. a green screen thing. And then I can just kind of do whatever I want with it. So I've been quite tempted by that idea. Then it kind of saves money, but I've got a couple of rather cool, like, random things someone made me um a little thing about this big it's like a it was wood i think wood burning something like that where they kind of um it's like laser burning onto wood and plaque so i know someone who does that i need to i think in 2022 i'll be getting them on my show um but they got me like a a logo that says genuine chit chat on it which i really like so i want to have that like there in the background in a sense so i've got a few bits and pieces of like uh paraphernalia i want to eventually get on like merch and t-shirts and all that sort of stuff but it's always it's just one of those things where you know you got uk i've got uk listeners and us listeners and trying to figure out if i just batch make loads and then try and sell them it's it's one of those kind of to-do list things which is like i need to update my website really and change the layout or make it all look fantastic but it's also like whenever i get free time i just invest into doing other random things the podcast is much more exciting than just like boring maintenance stuff that takes ages yeah, that's my we, problem we have this conversation a lot because you know i'm not sure what your status is as far as you know is it your career is it your hobby that you're trying to make a career like mike and i have day jobs but mm. we would love to have a career out of this. Right. But yeah. as, you, as you know, it's extremely hard to do. Mm-hmm. So when you start investing money in like a $400 microphone or a thousand dollar camera or merch, like, like even this little hat isn't, you know, it's not cheap. No, no. Yeah, you have you to really, kind of put money into it first, normally oh, to get yeah. like a bunch made or at least a test one made. And then you either have to do pre-orders or you have to get like a hundred, 500 made, and then just hope that the amount you sell them for covers the cost it was to make sure. them all. And like these, this small batch, I just got them to give to our guests. Because <laughs> it's an advertising thing, right? Hey, you mm. wear it, if you wear this, 
That'd be awesome. Appreciate it. Yeah, I've been tempted to try and get a, a t-shirt made just like a one-off from somewhere and then just have the logo on it and then start wearing that every time I guest. But I, I haven't. <laughs> it's one of those things, once again, I haven't done. I've been podcasting for over four years. And it's something I do want. The dream would be to, you know, turn it into a uh, a career. But I do have a day job as well. And this is just a hobby with this and my other, my Star Wars podcast as well. It's just a hobby. But it's just one of those things where it's like, I am slowly building, but obviously... I don't know about if it was the case of your show, but like when COVID hit, from my knowledge, most podcasts took like a hit because so many people listened when they're commuting, going to work or anything like that, where when you're at home all the time, like for me, at least podcasting is always something that I consume while doing something else. So it's normally either chores or driving, although I love podcasting and I, I absolutely adore listening to so many podcasts. I don't just sit there and only listen to podcasts, if you know what I mean? So it's oh, kind yeah. of like when you're not doing loads of other stuff, and like my girlfriend isn't as interested in podcasts, but if we go on like a long drive, then we listen to some. But obviously during COVID, especially, that's like there was nowhere to go. There was nothing to do. And everything that we could do was basically at home, video games, Lego <laughs> and uh, TV. So the podcast viewership or listenership kind of dropped quite a lot. And I think that happened kind of across the board for a lot of podcasters. So it's one of those things where it's like, one day, maybe when people ask me, you know, am I ever going to make a career out of podcasting? I'm like, ask me again in like six years when I've been doing it for 10 years. Let's see. Let's see what it's like then. Like, how long have you guys been sort of doing this together? Yeah. Getting back to your point about COVID, mm. in addition to everything you said, for us being a duo, mm. COVID separated us. So that is another obstacle for us. Yeah, of course. Uh, we started ours at the end of 2019. Mm. So we had just started to try to figure out what we were going to do. Mm. And then COVID hit. So <laughs> we were just, we had the studio set up where Mike had his, uh, he had two businesses, but one of his businesses, he had this beautiful, this cityscape front window set up. It was gorgeous. Mm. And uh, well, that business, COVID uh, hurt that business badly. So he, he mm. lost that studio. So yeah, I built out a studio at my house. Um, nice. Yeah, so we've been, you know, this is like episode 48, I think. Mm. So 48 episodes, and I would say we've been doing it consistently for seven months, six, seven months. Yeah. You know, but it originally started in November of 2019. I see. Yeah, make me feel like an old man now. <laughs> I've been doing I it know, for four they, years. It's <laughs> awesome. And I've said before, man, like I didn't even realize it. So I'm sure you were younger than me. I'm, I'm 36. Yeah, I am. Yeah. And like 10 years ago, I was um, doing uh, music publicity on the rock scene. Mm. And I would record my interviews, carry a little Sony recording device. But all of these rock publications were all, you know, either in a magazine or you read it online and there was no audio. Mm. Man. And I wasn't even thinking like it was before podcasting really took off. Yeah. And I was, I'm sure one of the first ones that had a SoundCloud account and put mm. all my interviews up. And I was, I didn't even realize I was podcasting before podcasting was a thing. <laughs> and I did that until I had kids and I yeah. couldn't do it. I couldn't do it anymore, but that's kind of what brought me back to this. It's like, man, I miss it. Mm. Yeah. I'm, I'm in a similar boat in some ways. I mean, I've, 
for most of my life i've had some vaguely creative outlet but like i'm not creative enough to write music or anything like that or i'm not very artistically driven in the sense of like i can't draw or paint or create things really i'm just all right with computers and i just seem to be kind of a vaguely jack of all trades kind of person so it was like in college i got into making music videos for bands so there's like it was one of my channels and it's got i don't know 10 or 12 music videos on there that i just made for like uh friends bands primarily i made like one or two for slightly bigger bands just for fun um and then after that, I think me and my mate had like a YouTube show and he's been on my podcast a couple of times. He was on the first podcast and the hundredth podcast with my mate Reese. And so we had a YouTube show for about a year, but I was doing all the editing. And, you know, as you're aware with video, if you have to edit things quite a lot, especially, you know, 10 years ago or so when YouTube was kind of kind of where podcasting is now at the moment where YouTube is kind of, you know, picking up so much steam and every YouTuber was that kind of thing where you can't take a breath almost. You have to cut every single non-essential bit out so the editing took ages and i was really really into it but my mate he wasn't as into it you know we had a lot of fun together but it was more like oh let's just you know have fun and mess around whereas with me having to do everything behind the scenes it kind of started to drag a little bit and then obviously being in a duo if he was ill or he could be bothered or anything like that then i couldn't do the thing i wanted to do and then for just a while i kind of didn't have anything in particular i was doing i started to kind of vaguely write a book i called it because this was what was i 20 something so i thought you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna write a book called the guide to life because i'm so clever and i know so much about everything i can explain how people should live because i was an <laughs> egomaniac clearly uh, and then you know some of my mates after i got into podcasting and things through um scroobius pip and uh, russell brand and then i was like my some of my friends were like why don't you start a podcast and stop asking because like we'd hang out on friday nights and i'd be asking all these questions like what do you think of this and what do you think of that and apart from reese all my mates would be like i don't want to talk about this incredibly depth concept of like what is good and evil what what is the concept of like god in the universe do you believe in that sort of stuff they're like this is a friday night we want to play board games and hang out we don't want to talk about these incredibly deep conversations for like two three hours straight and i was like and they're like why don't you do something with this and i was like okay maybe i'll do a podcast and Four years later, still going. That's awesome. So. <laughs> yeah, people won't really understand it. I, I, you're like kind of born for it. I don't, it's it's hard to explain. I'm addicted to it. I love it. Yeah. And I and like I know I'm not good at it, you know. But I like <laughs> I think the, you are. Oh, <laughs> thanks. Uh, it's just the producing part. I love the mm. producing part. I could sit and produce other people's podcasts. I'd be happy. But mm. um, but no, there's so many conversations, and and I, I want to tell people stories. That's mm. what, what I think is the fun part. Yeah. Not so much about my own show. I, I want to have guests on and tell their stories and not like, not from any bias perspective or celebrity perspective. Just it, our original idea was like blue collar, everyday blue collar workers. Mm. Tell the story of just a regular person's life. Yeah. You know, but this is, this is what we're doing. We, we actually got pulled in at several different directions accidentally. And that actually grew our audience. We have a huge audience on Facebook. Mm. If like, over 17,000 followers, which is huge to me. 100%, from, yeah. From where we started. And so this podcast here today is going to be out of left field for a lot of people because this is what I like to do. So, <laughs> like I brought, I was looking at your other podcast. So I brought oh. source material to talk about <laughs> things people need to be reading. Yeah. Uh, I've got, I've got both of those things as well. Actually, in fact, I've got a whole stack of comics like right here, like this. God, this is my pile of comics next to me of just all the all the stuff I've recently done podcasts on that I've 
you know, that I haven't actually yet filed away because you've got their Skywalker strikes. And then I've got here at the back, where is it? Num- the I think it's that yeah issue number one of the 2020 run of Star Wars because I just finished doing tackling all of the um all of the 2015 run of Star show Wars. Me, can you show me that again? Yeah, I can because I don't have it. So my I had a I made a friend. There we go. Hold that there. So this is the new 2020. Yeah, this is the 2020 run. This is by Charles Saul. So this is set between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Whereas obviously Skywalker Strikes that you've got there was between uh, A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. Because yeah, that period of time is like three years were obviously between Empire Strikes Back and but Jedi's one year. How, how important is this storyline coming up mm. with, with Kenobi? Oh, yes. Old man. All the old man Kenobi stuff in that is some of the best for well, me. I just have a feeling that this show is literally going to pick up right from the Journal of Kenobi. Yeah, I hope so. I hope we're going to get a lot of um, information about um, uh, Uncle Ben, uh, Owen, uh, Owen Lars, because like his sort of his protectiveness over Luke and things. And I know the guy who played him in Revenge of the Sith, Joel Edgerton, I think his name is, he's coming back, I'm I'm pretty certain. So it's like, hopefully, if they're choosing the same guy, they're going to take it seriously. It's not going to be a random cameo, one would hope. So I want to see his kind of how much he actually knew about Anakin Vader, how much his like relationship with Obi Wan, because in those comics, it's really really interesting. Oh yeah. Well, Disney or Lucasfilm, they did a really good job keeping um, actors in their in their roles because like mm. uh, Jimmy Smits came back. Yeah. Is Bale right and yep. and uh, Rogue One and mm-hmm. it's awesome and hopefully he's gonna be well he'll be dead by Ahsoka series but maybe flashback. You mm. just never know because like the end of this book. Yep. There's a camera right there. Ahsoka. Yep. You know, the very last page, I think it's the last page where, you know, she figures out who's trying to get a hold of her. It's Bail mm-hmm. Organa. It's, exactly. It's start, start the rebellion. 100%. Yeah, exactly. And obviously in the show Styles Rebels, like he, I think he appears in one episode, I think. And I think that's the episode that Leia is in. And it's like, you know, he is, him and Mon Mothma are so central to the rebellion, and especially for like, there's the book, uh, Leia Princess of Alderaan by Claudia Gray and that for like you know that's a few years before that and it's just like how when Leia was about 16 she found about her parents being in the rebellion so it's just like it's they've been building it for ages you know you get it in the uh, deleted scenes of Revenge of the Sith where Bail Organa is talking with Padme and stuff and a group of them being like you know we need to try and stop Palpatine he's getting more and more power what are we going to do and then it happens and it's like oh (laughs) shit (laughs) right like I went to um I went to Celebration Oh, nice! Yeah, every day I was there, and I sat in on the Mandalorian panel. Oh man! Oh man! I sat on on almost every panel except um, Rise of Skywalker. Mm. I, I couldn't get in. I won the lottery for the rest of them, though, because that's yeah. how you got them. You put you get in on the lottery. Yeah, because I did that when Star Wars Celebration was in the UK. Um, I went and I did, saw a panel with Ray Parks. So oh, it's yeah. hosted by Warwick Davis and it was just him talking and stuff. And he did a couple of crazy flips and stuff. And he got everyone who had a Darth Maul tattoo to go up on stage and chat with him. And I was like, why didn't I get a Darth Maul tattoo? I was like, I could have spoken to Ray Parks. On Instagram, we were talking quite a bit. Mm. Then he kind of had his uh, home life breakdown. Mm. I, don't, I don't know exactly what happened. It's none of my business. Yeah, yeah. Thinking about you, dude, I know you've been gone a long time. But then uh, at Celebration, I met him finally in person. Oh, nice. So I met him and Ian McDermott. Oh, man. So I got to take a picture with both of them, which was cool. That's incredible. And what about you? I realized that you asked me what my sort of Star Wars, how I kind of got into it and stuff. And I was, yeah. it's, always, it's always been in the house. Like my dad was always watching it. He loved Harrison Ford. So he used to watch Indiana Jones and um, Star Wars and stuff. Like 
on repeat in essence uh so how what about yourself like what was your kind of uh entry into star wars i actually didn't get into star wars until i was like 11 or 12 mm. my parents actually divorced when i was really young yeah so i was like seven or eight mm-hmm. and it was a combination between my stepmother and my aunt they both kind of threw me into star wars at the very same time but my stepmother uh she's like i want to take you to the movies when they were re-released Mm, in 1997 so that was actually like when i fell in love with them re-released well we didn't know back then they were preparing us for episode one Mm -hmm. right because well they might have said it i was too young to like pay attention to the news of course and then yeah that i was already in the toys i was i was a huge michael keaton batman Mm. man right so like i had that was my thing batman i had everything batmobile batcave everything uh, Ghostbusters, mm, huge, yep. had everything. I actually sold all my Ghostbusters stuff, but I had the Fire Station and Ecto One, all the original stuff. Oh Ninja, man, Ninja Turtles, yep, sewer van, you name it. I had everything. That was one cool thing about my childhood, that my parents just bought me toys. And being the youngest, my sisters are much older, and with my parents divorcing, and you know, uh calamity at home i should say i always mm. lost i got lost in action yeah. figures and that was my time alone and like to parents that may be listening get your kids toys let them play because that's where artists and imaginations are built mm. uh, that's and at least that's how i feel engineers you name it get them legos like they, yeah. it really does it i'm so thankful for it but um that's how i got into star wars and i started collecting at the same time yeah, and, and clearly that's bled out as well because you've got all the all the other things collect. You're still collecting stuff. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I'm 36, and and I I really um, I'm a collector of the 3.75 inch, you know, like the vintage collection guys now. Yeah, they had various names throughout the years, and then Black Series came out. Mm, I got a few Black Series, yeah. But believe it or not, my son is going to be 11 here next month or in two months. Um, I, I buy him the black series, him and my daughter, my daughter is nine and she loves, she'd rather play with star Wars black series than Barbie dolls. Just cause they're way cooler. Isn't it? Or, <laughs> or Peppa pig, you know, uh, they love, that's, that's your guys's thing, right? Uh, well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't like Peppa pig. I think it's horrendous, but yes, it's from this side of the pond. <laughs> uh, but um, so I actually get my kids the nicer ones, you know, mm. geez, they have them all. They have every single one. I, I was trying to figure out how much money I spent on Black Series. Thousands and thousands. They're 20 bucks. Well, now they're, they raised the price. Now they're like 25 a piece. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'm, a, I'm addicted to, like, I'm a Hasbro Pulse member. Yeah. And so I follow a few guys on Instagram. Uh, one guy's name is Yak Face. And he does, he gives you a heads up when pre-orders are available. He get, supplies the links. So of course, that's my that's my dealer. I go right to him <laughs> and I'm 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 ready, you know. And so Yeah. I mean I, I've I've been into like in and out of phases of like collecting stuff as well. Like when I was younger, I used to I had like toys and stuff, you know, everyone had everyone cool had Star Wars toys or something similar, you know, Ghostbusters, that sort of thing. And so I had that I had um Bionicle as well, which I used to absolutely adore the sort of crazy Lego creature things that you could uh, fight together and you build them and then you twist their back and they kind of 
fight craziness oh, yeah. um they were a lot of fun i used to have them and, like smash them together and stuff i used to like putting like lego stuff at the top of stairs and throw spoons at them until they would fall and just smash on the floor and then i'd rebuild them in different ways and things and it's that sort of stuff but like toys and things i used to collect a few and now like i've always had some sort of collecting thing like when i was younger it used to be little trinkets and stuff and then i went for a phase of collecting vinyls uh, in college uh, which are two up there actually and then i went for a phase of collecting steel books which are like special edition blu-rays DVD um, DVDs, yeah. yeah yeah exactly well, yeah it, it was dvds i've got like one dvd steel book but i got so a lot vinyl of you mean ones. like you mean like records yeah, yeah yeah vinyl records yeah yeah i had um nothing like vintage or cool it was just the music i was into at the time uh, just before like spotify became a proper thing it was like well if you buy it on itunes or whatever it's like eight quid or oh, eight pounds for american listeners who don't understand British oh my gosh. so you call pounds quids <laughs> well yeah quid not even a plural <laughs> it's just quid <laughs> <laughs> makes no sense i don't know where quid comes from there's probably some sort of clever meaning or like going back in history but it is yeah pounds you can say it's five pounds but most people a lot of people say quid instead it's just five quid instead of five pounds i don't know why <laughs> but, well um, the uk is my dream vacation one day i'll make it there well, if you do, let me know because I will have a house by then and then you can come stay. I said to all my American friends, just come over. You can stay. We can, um, you know, show you some of the cool things because like most people want to go to London and London is very cool, but it's only like an hour and a half drive from where I live. And so obviously in American t- terms, that's a tiny amount because you guys will drive like six hours and still be in the same state. And we're like six hours, you get halfway off the country. Like we're, we're, I'm going up to Scotland I'm like right at the bottom and I'm going up to Scotland twice next month. Uh, and it's going to take maybe 10 hours, like m- maybe a bit more with a few stops, but like that's the length of our country is 10 hours. <laughs> Whereas for you guys, you could travel across the whole state and you still 10 hours is still not in another state sometimes. So you're at the bottom of the UK. Yeah. 10 hours gets you to Scotland. Wow. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It depends on what part of Scotland, because you know, Scotland is quite big. So there's you know, the border of Scotland, the, the top sort of areas and things, but yeah, it's, it's like, 10 to 12 ish hours is generally about the length just driving of uh england well yeah south of england all the way up to uh scotland that is just so fascinating because you think about how small the island let's call it an island how yeah. small it is and i i always get lost in thought of how many great artists have come from england mm, rock and yeah. roll musicians actors. oh yeah it's just mind-blowing I don't, people don't even realize like who they're listening to and where they came from and it's just like i love music so it's oh, just me, me too yeah i love rock and metal I, I i talk to people i say i like i like like death metal and deathcore all the way down to rap and like pop music like sia and slipknot are like two of my favorite artists in the world which are two very polar uh, opposites so I, I totally get that but with the uk it's funny because like Comparing the UK, Australia, and America, it's, you know, uh, the United States of America, there's like 330-odd million people. In the UK, there's like 60 million people. And then in Australia, I think there's 20 or 30 million people. But Australia landmass is about the size of the USA. But obviously, habit, like uh, habitually, you can only really live in the donut because obviously the middle is the outback. So it's one of those weird things. We've got Australia is like half the population of the UK, yet it's the size of the US. Yet the US is, I think, about... 200 times bigger than the uk yet you only have like five ish times the population it's one of those things where we just i I describe like in america land is a lot cheaper than the uk because you know you guys you're like 200 years ago you're like let's build here oh neighbor why don't you move down 
all the way back, like back the fuck off my land. Go, go, go. Oh, you're all the way over there. Okay, make a house there. Whereas here we're like crammed together and it's like, oh, there's more people invading. What do we do? Let's just, hopefully they won't kill us all and just build where we are. So everything's just kind of rammed together. So all our streets in lots of places, like really, really small, can barely get cars down them because it's just been hundreds and hundreds of years of people building in the exact same land just for ages. That is just so amazing. Yeah, you come to America and the <laughs> roads are super wide. And yep. it's it's kind of sad at the same time because you see people that just keep moving here, moving here, and all this beautiful land is just disappearing. All these houses are going up. And we have we got we it's it's just it's too much to wrap my head around. <laughs> too much. Yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot of things where I feel like you can just kind of sit there and just think for just hours and just be like, kind of. The thing I like to, I, I say, like to do. It freaks me out if I do it. Is um, like when you're on Google Maps and you're really zoomed in and you kind of scroll down on the mouse bar and you just zoom out loads. I kind of try and think of like myself with that sometimes, and it freaks me out a little bit. You know, you just think how unfathomably insignificant I am compared to the Earth. Like not just who I am and the people I contact with. You know, that's a completely different thing. But like, you are literally like the size of an ant compared to like a city is how you are like compared as a human to like earth and it's just like you you think like everything around you you just zoom out and out and out and like you don't have to zoom out that far to you can't even see people that's the weird thing and we need to do is go on like a not even a plane and you can't you just stop being able to see people it's just so massive yet we're all so connected because obviously the internet that's how we're talking but then you get really really deep and you think like the planet earth is like a speck of sand in the universe mm. you know magnify it 100 percent. it's crazy mm. hey do you before i forget you're talking yeah. about being crammed in small places and i keep thinking about like them, them filming movies all the time in your neck of the woods mm-hmm. have you been to any filming lots no i mean my girlfriend megan has seen a few mcu movies get filmed just by being in the area they they when they film stuff in the UK, you know, a lot of it is like places like London, but like Solo, for example, uh, you know, the start of Solo when they're in Corellia, um, mm-hmm. the home, for, talking to people who made a, don't know all of the specifics about Star Wars, the starting scene where Han Solo is from, and this was where Dengar is from as well, fun fact, those scenes were shot in Southampton, in the city I live in. But I only found out literally like three months ago when I was looking stuff up to my Star Wars podcast. It's like, so the, it's best, like the best scene of the movie, in my opinion. Yeah, if not, it's it, visually it's just incredible and things. Like, like chase, yeah, squeezing through that little. Yeah, area. and obviously Star Wars has got so many roots in England. You know, you've oh. got um, Elm Street Studios and things, which is you you can go there. I haven't, but it's like there's there's a lot of filming that goes on in the UK, but obviously there, a lot of it is behind closed doors with studios. But um, I think it was Doctor Strange. That there's bits where they're running through the city. I think it's Doctor Strange, and some of that was filmed in the UK as well, and. Or was it Infinity War? One of the either phase two or phase three of um, the MCU, some of that was filmed in the UK. I think some of Wonder Woman was filmed in the UK as well. So it was like, I know of people who've just been about and they go, there's a road closed down there. And I swear I just saw like Gal Gadot. And it's just like, you don't really know about it too after the fact. Because obviously if they go, oh, they're filming Wonder Woman there. It's like, everyone's just going to ram it. So in England, it's a bit more like, they kind of keep things under wraps. Oh, the road's closed. Why? Just is. Okay, let's just keep on with my day. And then you find out like months later that like one of your favorite actors are down the road. Well, I was trying to surprise you tonight. Uh, have you ever heard of Rick English? I think I've heard the name, but I couldn't, I couldn't place who it is. He's like the number one stuntman in Hollywood, specifically oh. for motorcycles. 
Right. But he's from England. And oh. I've been talking to him. He's coming on the podcast. And oh, we amazing. Just, we had a date, and then he... But he just, like, finished James Bond and all these movies, right? He, yeah. he was Robert Pattinson's stunt double. And oh, Bat- nice. And the Batman, you know? So I figured, Oh, my Lord. I asked him. To, I sent him a message saying, like, hey, man, can I get you to come on? I have a pod- uh, collaboration with the, a podcast from the UK. I didn't hear back from him yet. Well, <laughs> he might have sent me a message. I just didn't look yet. But... Stay tuned for that one. That's going to be a good one. He's going to outshine me then. If like when it's comes, here's here's two UK guests. Here's a man who's a stuntman professional in a crazy amount of Hollywood films, and then here's a bloke with a couple of podcasts. Yeah, it's just it's been- awesome. That's the thing. Like people, people always ask, like, how do you how do you get guests? I'm like, they're just regular people, just like you and me. Mm-hmm. You know, you just the worst. I say seven no's for every yes. You just yeah. ask. Just ask. It's like yeah. Well, it's, a lot of the time, it's seven ignores. For every or yes. Yeah. <laughs> but with, with social media, you could actually see if they read your message, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of yeah, times. I've connected with a lot of people. It's one of those things that I'd say if anyone's uh, starting a podcast, well, first of all, it's confidence. You know, don't play down your own podcast. Try and kind of big up how it is and things. And also, you know, instead of contacting necessarily agents specifically, if you can reach out to individuals on social media or a lot of the time, like I've had this with um, authors. Like I spoke to uh, Claudia Gray, who's a Star Wars author. She does other things, but obviously because yeah. we read Star Wars books and stuff. And I reached out to her just on a website and I had her on my show last year because I, I just showed an interest from that. And like um, Paolo Villanelli, who is the artist, he does quite a few things for Marvel Star Wars. He did the Lando Double or Nothing miniseries. He's doing the Bounty Hunters series at the moment. I just messaged him on Instagram and just was like, do you want to come on the show? You know, I know a very incredibly tiny amount of Italian because my girlfriend's Italian. So I started it by saying like two phrases I knew in Italian and then, you know, said, I've got a podcast. I'd love to chat with you. And he was really receptive to it. So that episode's airing uh, in a few weeks from the point of recording this. So it's like, awesome. you can just ask people. The worst answer you get is, well, no. we'd probably be saying no fuck off. Yeah. But, you know, the, probably the worst answer you realistically get is an ignore or no thank you. And then you yeah. just go, oh, I tried. And honestly, I, I've had ignores, you know, like people have ignored me, but other than that, I've been pretty successful with the people I've asked. And that's mm. my advice to people I want to do is just, just do it. Ask. Yeah. They, they yeah. It's not like they're going to spank you, right? <laughs> Depends who it is. Cause I'd cut it. You know, if it was Scarlett <laughs> Johansson, if I contacted her and said, Hey, you know, ScarJo, do you want to come on the show? She said, no, but I will spank you. I'd be like, yes. I'll take you up on that offer. <laughs> Thank that's you. Right. Yes, yes, please. please. <laughs> <laughs> that is so awesome. So, um, Man, you do you do a lot of comic book reviews, a lot of movie reviews. I was asking you today, are you caught up with cinema? And you said no. Yeah, the problem is, is that there's where, as I'm sure you're aware, there was so little for so long, and then especially with Marvel and DC, and you know, I'm in the, the nerd culture in that regard. They were just like, oh, here you go, here's at like one or two films every week for the next six months, and it's like I had a list on my phone of every film that was coming out between like June and the end of the year of just so many films I want to see. And the problem is I've got quite a few friends who they're not into every, they're not completionists in the same way I am. You know, I want to consume all Star Wars content. I want to watch everything to do with the MCU, excluding Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And the, the sort of pre, I watch like a lot of the Netflix shows as well, but then they've kind of vaguely uncanonized them, but that's like a, a whole thing. But I've watched a lot of those. I didn't watch any Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or 
uh, in humans because I heard that was rubbish. But like a lot of things, I'm trying to watch as much as possible. I tried; and it's, it wasn't good. No, it's it, especially with Agents of Shield. There's like seven series, and people are like, oh yeah, when round series like four, it gets good. And I'm like, I'm sorry, there's 24 episodes of series. That's like 18 hours per season. You want me to invest like 36 hours of my life just to get past series two, and it still doesn't get good? No, I don't have that kind of time. Um, but with all the things coming out, like a lot of my friends, like some of them want to see this film and some of them want to see that film and some aren't phased by this. So I have to kind of, to some degree, like I, I spoke to you in the message, it was like, I really want to watch June, like ASAP. But Megan wasn't overly fussed and my brother was desperate to see it with me. So it was one of those things where I was like, okay, well, I have to organize it with him. And then I'm seeing Venom in two days because I still haven't watched that. Or I was I desperate watched, to see that. That's the, about the only movie I haven't watched. Mm. Um but I, I'd never watched the original Dune. No way, no way. But I will tell you, the movie is awesome. Mm, it's I've good. heard that by a lot of people. Yeah, it's good. And today they just greenlit the sequel as well, yes. which I've got. So I've got a mate of mine at work, and he was saying to me, "It's like when Dune comes out, go to the cinema and see it." He was like, "I don't care what you, what your family think, what your friend thinks, anything. Take as many people as possible because we need the film to get money so they can greenlight a sequel. Once they do that." I'm happy. I don't care if you like the film. I just need the sequel. This is before it even came out because he read the books and stuff. And he was like, you know, what the plot is going to be is going to be like a build up to what comes after. But they can't do that other stuff unless this one's successful. So I messaged him today and he was just <laughs> over the moon because you get like Dune is like so responsible for so much to do with Star Wars. Like, I was just going to say that. Yeah. But Tatooine yeah. is literally right. just like well, taken straight out of it you watch the movie and you say, okay, because obviously the book came out in, was it the sixties? Um, it was either the sixties or earlier. 65, it, or maybe it was, yeah. earlier, maybe it was fifties, fifties or sixties, but you can see where George Lucas, mm. you know, how he absorbed that and turned it into his own. I mean, there's not a whole lot other than spaceships and a desert planet. Yeah. Well, okay. Maybe a couple other things, but <laughs> you can definitely see where he got it from, but it's, it's visually stunning. It is a great mm. movie. It's yeah, and the other thing, it like, did you see that Timothy Chalamet is the new Wonka? Oh, I heard about that. Yeah. Okay, so they they posted a picture of him in costume. I mm. thought he looked excellent. Yeah. Um, he got a lot of hate online about it. Mm. When they see this movie, they're going back. Holy crap! He is going to be an awesome Willy Wonka, and I could see him as Robin. Hmm. Yeah, we do need a good Robin, don't we? We still yeah. haven't had... Uh, I think that the the DCEU or whatever it's, the hell it's called, because, you know, we've got the uh, Batfleck, who I do really yeah. like, and then you've also got Let's Robert talk Patterson. about that. Let's talk about that. Yeah, go ahead. What what element of it? So like we were, like I was telling you earlier, I'm a Keaton yeah. Batman guy. I, I mm -hmm. still think to this day he's the best Batman. Right. Um, and I'm so happy that he's back in Flashpoint. Oh, my God. Cannot wait to see it. It's going to be a dream. Yeah, I mean, they get since they're using the same music, there's no Tim Burton, so I just hope they, they do it right. Um, mm. I loved Ben Affleck's Batman. Yeah. I just thought his brute force was awesome. Mm -hmm. You know, how, how much acting do you need to, to play Batman? <laughs> so for all the hate he got, I mean, he's, he's Batman. Like, he just beats people up and does some detective work. You don't have to be, like, a 10-time Oscar winner to play Batman. Well, did you see all the stuff that came out when Keaton was announced, like, you know, in the 80s? Oh, there's, a, there's like people writing into newspapers being like, this is outrageous. Michael Keaton, he just does Beetlejuice and comedy films. He can't possibly be Batman. I know you look nowadays and people are like, Ben Affleck, he couldn't possibly do Batman. Keaton's the one. It's like, 
didn't this happen like 20, 30 years ago? Isn't this, whenever someone gets announced for anything, everyone's always like, no, well, not everyone, but you know, and there's a, there's a vocal minority a lot of the time that it just, they already make their minds up before something happens. Like Christian Bale? Yeah. The problem I had with that movie, it, it was too realistic. I don't mm. think superhero movies should be that realistic. And that's, that was my turnoff. For, I see. I, I mean, no doubt Heath Ledger was an amazing Joker. Yeah. And uh, I, I love everything about him in, in that role, but it just became too realistic. And, and I watch superhero movies to get lost in that world. Mm. I don't want it to be like my world. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah. that's what turned me off with, with that movie or with that set of movies. I mean, Christian Bale is a great actor. Don't get me wrong. Mm, Another yeah. awesome UK product. Um, <laughs> I mean, the, the stunts were cool, you know, but it's just, like I said, it's just too realistic for me. I don't want to see that. So you hesitant with uh, the Patterson Batman then? Um, no, no. Because, well, I saw you posted and I did not grab them. I have them though. Um, like you posted um, like the sixth Book, graphic novel in that Batman yeah. series of New the two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there was Death of the Family and Endgame. Death, the two Death I Family and Court of Owls was in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Court of Owls is in that run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So um, I, I'm, I'm getting that vibe. Mm. As long as obviously like year one. Um, yeah. But I'm hoping, and, for, and from the more and more clues that come out, it looks like it's going to be lead into the Court of Owls. Mm. That would be so, interesting. I don't, I'm not, you know, I don't think it's too realistic. If that's what you're asking me, do I, is that how I'm viewing the Pattinson Batman? I don't think so. I think he's just starting and he may not know a, a Lucius Fox or may, mm. may not have access to the technology yet. Yeah. He seems pretty young. We don't, we don't know what kind of backstory they're going to tell, if any, mm. you know, um, so, so as little as possible. I don't think I need to see, uh, you know, Martha and, uh, oh man, Thomas. There you go, Thomas. Man, yeah. that is bad for me. I kept thinking of that's James it. and Lily, and I was like, that's Harry Potter. I'm getting yeah. my franchises confused. Too many dead no, parents. <laughs> I, I always blank out on podcasts all the time because I'm, I have so much that I'm thinking about, right? But yeah. Um, yeah, as long as they don't do the Pearl scene again and again and again. Yeah. But, you know, wh- where was he? Did he disappear? Was mm. he always here? Let's see what, what, what they tell. Or maybe they just I, pick up from, from year one or year two. I think I'd, I'd quite like them to do similarly to how they tackled Spider-Man in the MCU. When, like, Home... I know he was in Civil War first, but, like, when Homecoming came out, they were like... They mentioned it in passing. You know, you've got his mate who says to him, oh, oh my God, you're Spider-Man. Can you do this? Can you do that? No, I can't. And it's kind of that little thing where it's like... it's over. We've seen Uncle Ben get killed. We've seen him get bitten by a radioactive spider twice in live action. Everyone and their mums knows the Spider-Man's bitten by a radioactive spider. No one needs to be told that right. ever again. And it's the same with, like, Batman. It's like... What are the three most popular superheroes on the planet? Spider-Man, Superman, and Batman. What does everyone know about them? Superman is an alien, and his weakness is kryptonite. Batman had his parents killed. You know, Peter Parker was bitten by a radioactive spider, and Uncle Ben died. We that we don't need anything else. We don't need those bits of information again. But that's it. We can we can move on with them. So I was thinking with the Batman thing, if it kind of if it gets referenced and they talk about it, and maybe. Like, I quite like it when you've got a story ahead of something and you do the flashbacks. Like, yeah. I, I really like flashback models of films when well, it's like... Well, I was going like, to say, the yeah. MCU Spider-Man mm. story was great. So we yeah. see him in, in Civil War, but then they, in Homecoming, they basically tell how he got his suit, right? Yeah, exactly. Already, already established. So that was that was great. I liked how they, how they just brought him in like that. Mm. 
Yeah, I'm excited by the Patterson Batman. I, you know, I quite like um, dark films when applicable. You know, I don't, I don't want a film to be dark for the sake of it. But I think with Batman, because there's been such a, a wide catalogue of um, different Batman, it's a weird, to, weird word to say, Batman. Um, but like, I would like to see the kind of two things I want to see is them, you know, not keep using the Joker over and over again. You know, Joker is one of the greatest villains ever made ever. You know, that's just undeniable, but we don't need him to be in every Batman film or even every Batman franchise. Like it's just every time it happens now, it's like, how's he compared to Heath Ledger? How's he compared to Jack Nicholson? Is he going to be better than Jared Leto? Probably. So it's like, we don't need to keep getting compared to that. And the fact they're doing the Riddler and stuff is something that, you know, I like the old Batman films and stuff, but like, I feel like, Jimmy Harris Riddler was all right, but it, it didn't hit the mark that I wanted it to. What like, year did... were you born? Ninety-four. Ninety-four. Yeah, but I've oh got. Oh my I cla- gosh! I know. I'm sorry, but I want to oh clarify. I've got older brothers. This is one of the reasons where, like, my my two older brothers. I've got three older brothers. Uh, one, a two by blood, one by uh, marriage. My two older brothers. One is seventeen years older than me, and the other one is twenty years older than me, and they've got oh. the same dad, different mum. So, like, I've got. Like I've seen a lot, like, you know, I, I was shown the Terminator films and Aliens oh, yeah. and that sort of oh, stuff yeah. when I was like 12. So it's I've got that kind of, I sound like such a prick saying this, but I'm like, I'm not like other 27 year olds, guys. I'm not like other millennials, you know, I'm not like other girls. So we but, have something in common, right? We have hmm. older siblings. Yes. One of the best compliments I've ever had. And at the time I took it, I found it offensive at the time, but I have an uncle that looked at me one day because of the way I was talking and. I was, I was 13, maybe mm. he, he labeled me streetwise. He said, you know, he said, you know, you're really streetwise. Well, I'm like, what's that supposed to mean? You know, in, in my head, that's what I was thinking because I was 13. I loved all kinds of music. I listened to rap music. I listened to rock and roll, I listened to country, I listened to everything. And I just spoke more like an adult because mm. I, my sisters are much older than me. Yeah. But that's the same. It's, because of our siblings right yeah it makes you less nervous talking about especially or talking with people who are older than you like when i used to hang out with my brother especially brothers when i was you know a teenager and a bit older normally like 14 15 ish by that point i'd already been talking to people who were in their sort of 20s 30s and onwards and things so it was like i've never had that weirdness of like age like when if you go to music festivals and stuff like you talk to people of a whole wide range of ages and it's like i've just always as the reason I've got a podcast because I can talk to relatively anyone. <laughs> and I think, I think my brothers are, as you stipulated, I think it's, it's one of those things where once you can talk to someone without any worries, who's substantially older than you. And by proxy, you end up talking to their friends, even if it's just by in passing or whatever, or their, you know, boyfriends, girlfriends, whatever, without knowing it, you just become more comfortable talking to people who don't have authority over you. That's older. Cause I think that's the problem when you're a kid, especially if you're like a proper only child, and you don't interact with anyone who's older than you, aside from people in positions of power, when you talk to someone who's just 10 years older than you in air quotes, normal life, it, it can, there's that part of you that associates them with authority. So you can be a bit like, without knowing it, you can have some anxiety towards that. And I think people like you and myself probably didn't even come to that sort of uh, conclusion or didn't even subconsciously have that kind of um, the bars on you, if you know what I mean. You know what I had? Probably because my parents divorced and I actually moved all the way across country. So you said it took you 10 hours to get across your country. I moved from the Chicago area all the way to the Portland, Oregon area at one point. And How many I, days did that take? Three. Oh my Lord. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I developed really bad anxiety mm. 
just being ripped from home and inserted into a new place and going to school with brand new friends. I had no friends. So it was a little different for me. It took me a long time to be able to um, like figure myself out and be able to talk to people like adult. Mm. I didn't get over anxiety till I was an adult. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I've got a friend who's a bit like that. He, um, he moved constantly until, until he met me and obviously I changed his life. So he stayed with me. No, um, he, he used to like move constantly until he was like, Four, 13 14 ish and he was he moved like from wales to the uk and around the uk in different places always changing schools and stuff and yeah from most people i know who have changed schools quite a lot or at least had one big move like through the already established school year that can throw people completely out of whack it, yeah. it's it's one of those things because you know people can be very cruel and kids are just small stupid people in a lot of ways like they're very innocent and not all kids are dumb but like because they don't have some of the experience in life, they can say things really mean without realizing it. Obviously, there are adults who do that and they can be pricks, but you know, kids can be a lot less understanding. In some ways, they can be a lot more, but if you are in maybe not the right place or if you as or one as an individual goes into a place and they're not fully comfortable with themselves or anything like that, and you could potentially come off in the wrong way, especially if you're moving like with you, like you know, state going from state to state it's like that's a very big change 2, compared to miles i think mm. 2000 plus miles yeah. yeah that's all that's almost a whole different podcast because there's so <laughs> many layers well, you come on my show and I then know. we can talk about that absolutely well this 100%. is our, this is not my show today this is our show if you're recording yeah. you can edit yours and put it up however you want you know but uh we can tag each other but mm. getting back to batman i can't even believe I'm, i still remember where we were uh, so you said you're born in 94. Well, 92 Batman Returns came out. Mm-hmm. That's like the greatest Batman movie for me. I love it's it. It's my favorite of, apart from, I would say Dark Knight is my favorite, but aside from Dark Knight, yeah, Batman Returns Day and DeVito. Oh, just. Yeah. And so when they had their disagreement and Burton walked away and Keaton's like, well, if he's going, I'm going. Yeah. I just feel like Schumacher, not so much Kilmer. Jim Carrey just wasn't meant for the Riddler. I don't like how he portrayed that role. Mm. And I do not like Tommy Lee Jones's Two-Face. No, he was not a good Two-Face at all. No, it was too, it was too much. Um, so the starting with that movie and definitely Batman and Robin was absolutely horrible. I have a problem with changing the suits every movie. Mm. I don't, I don't like change like that. Like I love how Batman and Batman Returns kept the same suit. Everything was the same. That's what I like. When he, and that's another thing with the Nolan movies that just his suit in Batman Begins was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It was an awesome comic accurate suit. And I get like he couldn't move his head and they had to fix that. But I don't I just don't like the changes. Mm. I'm very particular when it comes to that stuff. And I did not yeah. like that. But it's, it's all, a lot of it comes from like what's connected to in some way one's own identity but also you know childhood is a big part of it nostalgia and things like you know with you know with with liking you know suits being the same it's one of those things that it's like you know don't when if it's not broke it ain't, ain't broke don't fix it you know it, i i totally get that when you see a suit you're like this is perfect and then they change it the next film you're like why what was wrong with the last suit? did you and notice that though did you feel the same with bale's first suit no i didn't if i'm being completely honest with you really um no, the I cowl. the cowl was perfect, right? We finally got our mm-hmm. we got our short ears, right? Yeah. And the, the way the cowl came over, 
and just blended into like that velvety cape. It mm-hmm. was just absolutely perfect. And then they changed in the in the Dark Knight. They changed the neck. And it looked yeah. like he had these. Obviously, it was for flexibility, but it looked like he had just these rolls on his neck. I it just bothered me. It was a distraction. Yeah, that's how, I see. that's how much I nitpick. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do it with Star Wars. Let's be honest. I, yeah. I I can nitpick Star Wars all day, but with with Batman, like I I'd seen you know uh, eighty nine and um, Returns, so I I'd seen them and I enjoyed them, but I wasn't like. I hadn't had the connection to them. Dark Knight was really what connected me to Batman. And then from the Dark Knight trilogy, that's what made me want to get into Batman more. And then that's, so it's one of those things where it's like, because that for me was in in the sense like my generation's Batman. So that 10 years makes a difference, right? And so so for me, my Star Wars is, I love the original trilogy, Mm -hmm. but I also absolutely loved the prequel trilogy. Yeah. And, For me, I was in eighth grade when Phantom Menace came out. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing on the news all these people camping out, waiting to get in the theater. It wasn't like that for me. I got on my bike after school. I rode to the movie theater and got right in. It was magical. And at the time, I wasn't like digesting you know, everything about Jar Jar Binks or this or that. It was just a beautiful movie, Duel of Fates. Oh, everything oh my gosh song. beautiful oh it, it was just freaking amazing and so sequel trilogy when i first saw For- force awakens i had goosebumps i had a little tear in my eye same but after watching it multiple times it really hit me like wow they really they're gonna mess this up <laughs> then the last jedi came out and I was like, oh my gosh, what did they just do? And they ruined it for me. Uh, you're one of you're one of those, the yeah. last Jedi. Yeah. Last Jedi, I've I've never come across a film ever that is that divisive. It's so strange because like I when people say they don't like the last Jedi, like I personally love it, but um I I it's one of those films where I totally, completely understand why people don't like it because it doesn't feel the same especially like even to other Star Wars, but it doesn't even feel the same to The Force Awakens. It, you can really feel the difference in the director. And it's one of those films, because I've, I've been doing a couple of podcasts with um, a friend of mine called Ben. He's on. He's got a YouTube show called Star Wars Timeline. So if anyone likes Star Wars, go check that out. And I appear on it. So if you want to hear my voice even more than my other two podcasts. We're going to have to check talk. I that. might have to try to get on that show. I mean, you, he would love to have you on the oh show. He, he's always looking for guests. He's, he's an absolutely delightful guy. He's, um, he was Russian. He moved to the UK, at the UK to um, America, living in New York. And he talks about like how kind of, I think with Star Wars in some ways, it kind of helped him and his family kind of speak English more in a sense it's kind of i'm kind of slaughtering yeah Yeah, exactly you know he he's into like loads of books of like um fantasy and sci-fi and all that sort of stuff like he he's really into like the mythology of it all and so he he read i think june and stuff like that and he's got he has got a huge, huge amount of knowledge with all that sort of stuff, but he's so he'll, a, he'll bury me. No doubt. Uh, he buries me. I mean, I've got <laughs> I, the knowledge of the Canon I've got because Canon started 2014. So I've only had to deal with it for like seven ish years of just kind of being on top of relatively everything. He knows about so much legend stuff, yeah. which is also goes back like 40 years. 
sure. um but anyway i was with with that last jedi things it was like um we had a big conversation so on, just just remember that though legends yeah. so yeah. we'll go back to legends when you 100 100 yeah. we we've basically um i did one thing on his show where we spoke about the three trilogies and what they did right what they did wrong that sort of thing and now we're doing specific episodes about the sequels so we talk of like an hour and a half we did the force awakens we've done the last jedi and we're about to do um rise of skywalker like next week but it's one of those things where i have friends of mine who like star wars not quite as much as me but they're really into it and people at work and all that stuff and it's literally it's almost like a flip of a coin if someone likes it or doesn't like the last jedi like for me there's no consistency with people if they like it or not like i know people who are hardcore love star wars as much as me and they hated last jedi and then i know people who barely like it yeah and then i know people who are like I don't mind Star Wars. They watched Last Jedi. Like, that was one of the best Star Wars films I've ever seen. I'm just like, but but then you get the opposite where you get people who barely like Star Wars who hate The Last Jedi and people who, be- who love stuff. And it's literally just, you can almost go up to someone and go, just flip a coin and go heads or tails. Do you love Last Jedi or not? And it, it's so divisive. I've never seen a film that divisive. It's there, there are bizarre. so many, so many layers to, as to why. Mm. And I know I can't remember them all right now. Like I would have to sit down and we'd have to talk for hours. We'd have to do a whole podcast like I've already done about it. <laughs> just a few issues. Just yeah, please go ahead. Star Wars was built across the galaxy. Mm-hmm. So in the original trilogy, in the prequel trilogy, we had different planets all the time, different sets. The, the one thing with The Force Awakens that I noticed right away is that they recycled a set and used it multiple times mm. for instance the final scene with you know the lightsaber battle yeah uh oh my gosh i'm having a brain fart um well i'm star killer base with ray finn and poe yeah what's and the ray finn and Kylo, oh sorry star killer yeah star star killer uh so they're on star killer fighting right that same force is used on takodana as pronounce that right yeah. um oh my gosh What's the little little girl's name? <laughs> the little what, you mean, do you mean Maz Kanata? Uh, Maz Kanata. Oh my gosh. Maz, Kanata, Maz Kanata's castle. Yeah, like yeah. That same set was recycled. Um, and that's just like, I'm like, why? You, ha- you have ungodly amount of money. <laughs> Here we go back to trying to do things in like a realistic, uh, you know, fashion again. Like, I get you didn't like all of the CGI from the prequel trilogy. I get it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that's what makes Star Wars. We, For me, I want to watch Star Wars and get lost in a, in a galaxy far, far away. I don't want to see recycled set that I can visually see. Like, it just drives me nuts. Like, why did you do that? So we have that going for us. And then with The Last Jedi, you know, they, they killed Luke Skywalker, and he deserved so much more. Uh, so being a Legends fan, we had our image of, of Luke and what he was going to do. Mm-hmm. And and an angry Luke, like no one ever saw an angry Luke coming or, a, you know, it just it, it, for, for the hardcore fans, it, it, it was personal. It, like it hurt and, and they just not, they just killed him off just like that. And he deserves so much more. And thank God for uh, uh, John Favreau and the Mandalorian and bringing him back in that final episode. Because that, in my opinion, is like the greatest piece of cinema in Star Wars history. When wow. I saw Luke come, I mean, as soon as you see the X-Wing, you know it's Luke. You're like, yeah. I cannot believe what I'm seeing right now. Is this really going to happen? <laughs> and you see him walk down the hallway and ignite the lightsaber. And you're like, we've been saved. That's what it felt like. <laughs> I, 
cannot believe I just butchered Mascanada. <laughs> <laughs> I can remember the planet, but not Mascanada. Oh my gosh. That's fine. It's been a long day. But, um, and, and then Rise of Skywalker. Mm, that's my least favorite of the three. Your least favorite. And I felt like that was the best of the three. Yeah, people have. Please tell me why. Actually, I'd be interested. Yeah. I want to clarify. I I want to clarify before saying anything that I think anyone's opinion in Star Wars is completely valid as yeah. long as you're not. I'm not saying you are one. I want to clarify. I'm saying this because I know you're not one. Is as long as you're not toxic and horrible to the people sure. involved, that's fine. Like as I, in, yeah, I let it go. I like. Yeah, I mean, I like exactly. I, re- I obviously respect your opinion, and I don't yeah, like. Yeah, of course, I don't yeah, talk, yeah. You, You'll never find a post of mine that's that just talks shit about star wars i just don't yeah do and criticizing it is perfect i want to clarify yeah. criticizing star wars in any way be it any kind of content that is 100 okay art should be criticized and i want to clarify i have many problems with every star wars film really maybe the original trilogy is quite hard to have problems with aside from a few inconsistencies but you know i i do heavily critique many elements of star wars including some of my favorite elements of it but yeah please tell me why you yeah. think uh, why Skull was your favorite out of interest oh so, snoke i thought was maybe one of the worst creations in all of star wars yeah he was pretty weak wasn't he he was weak and it was like comparable to jar jar binks <laughs> um so they kind of salvaged that plot hole i'll call it a plot hole because obviously we didn't know anything about him after the first two movies we had no idea um where he came from right so they gave us that answer uh i i love the visuals of the rise of skywalker Obviously, riding a horse-type animal on a spaceship uh, a mile in the sky is, like, (laughs) even way too far-fetched for Star Wars. Like, I I did not like... (laughs) You know, that was crazy. Like, I can't even believe they put that in the movie. Um, The... I really loved the Ray and Ben scene, switching of the lightsabers. I almost Mm. think that the, the passing of the lightsaber through through the force was i don't even have a word for it but unforced like mm. we've never seen anything like that before i don't yeah think that, that was a great time to put that in there um i don't know i just i liked it better because they closed the snoke the snoke story for me right and and that we were able to kind of tie it into the mandalorian yeah plant the seeds for, mm. for the story that's why i think it's the best one i mean that there's really not much to it other than that that's fine i mean you know everyone's into like for example um my girlfriend megan i got her into style she's seen bits and pieces of it but you know we sat down and probably watched them together and we watched the clone war series and uh, rebels and bad batch and mandalorian etc and for i think force awakens was her favorite but for ages she hated the last jedi and loved uh, the rise of skywalker and it was only on a rewatch we did semi-recently that she's kind of um views last jedi and rise of skywalker more evenly i like i want to clarify i like all star wars content i don't think i've seen any of this no the clone wars movie that, that i'm not a fan of that does suck but aside from the clone wars movie the clone Wars series phenomenal but the clone yeah. wars movie is weak but like the rise of skywalker for me um it, it's interesting some of the points you have but it's quite funny because like the emperor in return of the jedi you, you didn't know his backstory but people wanted to know Snoke's though, even though for the original trilogy, no one was fussed about knowing the Emperor's until the prequels came out. That is Which true. Is- mm. It's oh. true for people that watched the movie in 1977. But not for us, because Star Wars was the prequels for me. But you're absolutely right. And I never thought about that. I really didn't. I've never yeah. thought about that. Because and it's, it, 
we we just had, had it given to us. So yeah, it was just he's a baddie and he yeah. he's controlled the universe. But the thing is, I thought Snoke was the weakest part of the sequel trilogy, and I I love the Last Jedi for killing him specifically because when he was in the Force Awakens, I was like, this is just the Emperor. Don't want him. Don't care. He's like the Emperor. I don't want another Emperor. I want someone new and different. And then they went, huh, fuck you. Let's do the Emperor again in Episode Nine. It's like, oh come on, can you not like? So it was one of those things. Where I was just like, for me, it was just lazy, lazy writing because oh. for for me the when a character turns this is the big thing for me like i didn't want kylo ren to turn back i knew he would it was obvious it was going to happen but when you have someone who is bigger and badder than you when you become good it takes away from the weight of that when it happened in the original trilogy of darth vader it was different because the it was one of the first big redemption stories anyone had seen in cinema that wasn't within one film it was like it, people hadn't seen it before it was such a moving moment you're seeing your son turn there's so many layers to it he had the chances you know luke did something that vader felt like he could never do there's so many layers to it and then when you do the rise of skywalker it's like oh why is kylo Reni um going back to good oh well we brought back palpatine who's probably the only being in the whole of the canon of star wars who is evil and aside from snoke who snoke is now apparently is palpatine and then it's like okay so you've brought back someone bigger and badder than kylo ren well, then you know, then he has to turn good then, because otherwise he's just going to be a slave to him exactly as he was to Snoke. Spent the whole of The Last Jedi establishing Kylo becoming his own person and making his own decisions, and Luke and Leia saying, we can't, we can't turn him back. And then they go, you know what we can do, though? We can turn him back, because we can bring back Palpatine, who's bigger and badder than he is. And it's just like, if, if you need someone to be bigger and badder than you, to make you turn back, to make you have a redemption, it takes away the weight of the redemption, because you haven't done that yourself. You're just deciding between, do I want to be worse than the literal devil or shall I try and be good? Whereas if he wasn't in it and then Kylo Ren turned back himself, it would have made much more weight for him and for Rey. If Rey turned him back, if Rey did something similar to the way Luke acted to Vader, she beat him in a fight and then said, look, I'm not going to kill you, Ben. I'm not going to do it. Or did what she did in the Death Star thing, kind of kill him and then heal him. Fair enough. But as soon as you just go, oh yeah, there's a bigger and badder person and he's worse. It's just like, it's just... just just in that bit, I wrote down like five things. Go ahead, please. Just because like, you know, being put on the spot, it's really hard to think of everything. Oh, 100%, 100%. Ray, that character, mm. we still don't really have a backstory. They, they still kind of left that open. Somewhat. I mean, they kind of ruined it in Rise of Skywalker, you know, where they were like, oh yeah, it's Palpatine's cloned son who wasn't Force-sensitive and Palpatine let him roam out into the universe, have a child, and then Palpatine was trying to capture his child who was actually Force-sensitive to use him for evil. Silly. She's yes. she's been living in the desert, right? It's just silly. Uh, Benicio del Toro's character mm. in the Last Jedi, yeah, what a waste. Yeah, yeah, that was a waste. I agree with you there. Star Killer being recycled as another Death Star. Yeah, that was my my biggest problem with The Force Awakens. Is although I think they introduced the characters very well, the intro is good. I like the humor. I like the characters. The biggest problem of the whole movie is unfortunately the plot which is like one of it's annoying that like 90 percent of the film is really cool in lots of different ways but then the biggest problem is arguably the most important part of the film which is let's just make the film a combination between a new hope and empire strikes back let's have a twist of family and then let's also have a giant death star it's just yeah that was a bit weak for me and they they kind of did they left the rule of two even though there was Kylo Ren and Snoke, mm. I, I felt like they, it, would, it was an injustice to the rule of two. 
Well, they were never meant to be Sith. That's the problem. Is that in they specifically said like visual dictionaries and all this sort of stuff that the point was Kylo Ren and Snoke were not Sith. They empirically said that numerous times. And then when JJ made episode nine, he was like, mm, nah, let's make him Sith. And it's like, but, but Kylo Ren specifically says he isn't. He, right. he makes it. So it's so like this weird like, mess. So are they Sith? Are they not? If they're not, are they Sith? Where yeah. are we? You know what I mean? Um, yeah, that, that's where I'm at. Those are the few things. Yeah. And then I'm, and then I, it made me think they just did the What If Marvel series. Mm. Have you watched that at all? Yeah, I've watched it all. Yeah. I've watched a few. I haven't watched them all. But what if they did a What If Star Wars? Yeah, I want that desperately. I think Disney are going to do that. Because I think with Visions and, and what the Marvel's What If, those two things are so popular, I think. Because if they did a What If on the end of Empire Strikes Back. Mm. Because even Mark Hamill said he didn't know that's how that movie was going to end. Yeah. Right? So that would be interesting. That'd be very interesting. Yeah. There were some Legends comics which were what-ifs, which I only found out about recently. I think Ben of Star Wars Timeline told me about them, actually. And it was there are some what-if comics. This is before the prequels were out. So this was in the... 80s and 90s i really? think yeah yeah there are what if comics out um i don't know if they're marvel unlimited because i haven't looked them out but i know they exist somewhere um i know obviously because marvel comics themselves they've been doing what if comics for marvel for decades um but the star wars ones there were some but you, you could do countless ones you could do you know what if anakin never turned in episode three oh, yeah. uh, you, you know what, i mean i'm not gonna sit here and list them because i could probably think of about 400 <laughs> we don't need this to turn into the the mike's what if star wars hour <laughs> yeah and then getting back to legends um yeah did you ever read shadows of the empire no ashamedly i my legends knowledge is very very limited to almost purely um video games so what's cool is is in solo there's a scene where um paul bettany's character you probably know dryden voss dryden voss there you go i do have really my memory sucks <laughs> so dryden voss <laughs> is talking to the other syndicates right mm-hmm. one of the syndicates is prince sizor uh, i can't remember his syndicate but they talk about it even i want to say they might talk about it in Rebels there's or the, Clone Wars. There's or the, Black the, Sun. Black um, Sun. It might be Black Sun. I can't remember. There's the Pike Syndicate, Black Sun. Um, oh, my gosh. All these Star Wars people that are listening to this are like, this stupid idiot. But anyways, it Prince Sizor is the main villain of Shadows of the Empire. Right. And so you get to see or read what happens between Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. Takes that void. Mm. it'd be really really good to see on disney plus yeah and yeah, they I, cast like sebastian stan as luke skywalker which I think oh my god absolutely do that's what i want so badly i think they are doing it because i th- what i've noticed what disney seemed to do quite a lot or disney marvel what they seem to do quite a lot is whenever something is confirmed years before they confirm it they have the actors talk about it quite a lot like they did it with Kenobi. Like Ewan McGregor was asked if he would do the Kenobi sit, like if he would come back to be Kenobi. He was asked about it about two or three years after Revenge of the Sith, and he said maybe. And then he was asked about it in 2014, 2015. It was around the time The Force Awakens was coming out. And he got asked about it again, and he said, Oh, yeah, I definitely would love to. And it's like, your answer has changed in a few years. So what it probably means is they've already told you that, or they've already offered you, you know, do you want to come back and do Kenobi? And if the script was good or anything like that, because obviously like people, a lot of people don't realize that 
when they have something that the trailer is out or whatever, it's already been in you know production for oh, yeah. several years. So it's like by the time we hear about stuff, something's already been in the making for Lord knows how long. So Sizor is the head of Black Sun. It is Black Sun. Oh, yeah. cool. I didn't want to say for sure. But uh, <laughs> yeah, Sh- Shadows of the Empire, man. Uh, just read the book. Mm. It is awesome. Yeah. And I've heard they, a lot of people. They introduced a character named Dash Rendar. I've heard a lot about Dash Rendar. He's yeah. like a fan favorite. Him and Carl uh, Katurn and Mara Jade are like the three big fan favorites from Legends who haven't come over to the canon yet. So that would be perfect if, if uh, Disney Plus told that story. Because, I mean, you have Han Solo, you know, you have all the originals. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe they could get Carrie Fisher's daughter to Billy Lord to uh, yeah. play her. Well, she she did the um, she did in the flashbacks in the Rise of Skywalker when you see Luke doing training with Leia. That's her face right. with kind of Leia's face over it in a sense. But they're doing there's the Lando series, which we've had no details confirmed about it at all. But one of the rumors going around is it's gonna it's gonna be Billy D. Williams like narrating and then do flashbacks with Donald Glover. And there's that's like an idea that people have been talking about. Obviously, that wouldn't be between. Did they cancel that or did they shoot that? Um. Well, it's still. On the recent Disney stuff, when it was the uh, I can't remember, investors meeting, it was still on there, and it's still on posted. It's just called Lando, but I don't know if if then they haven't cast Donald Glover again, or if he's refused, or I don't know what level it is. They've just said there's a series coming out called Lando, and we're telling you nothing else about it at all. <laughs> That's well, it. To, to all your Star Wars friends, I'm sorry. I know my stuff. I'm just having I'm just having memory day. You can't forgive remember me. everything. Forgive me. Forgive me. You, but. The greatest thing I will say before I forget that came out of the the sequel trilogy. Have you been mm. to Disney? Galaxy's Edge? No, that's why okay. I'm desperate to do. That is the greatest product from the sequel trilogy. It is mm. absolutely amazing. I've been there three times now. I mean, I'm I'm planning. Me and uh, Megan, we're planning on going before COVID. It, we would have already been there because we had plans to go there. This would have been this year, um, but we are planning next year buying a house. So I think it's the year after that, 2023. We're planning on going to America. I've got tons of podcasting friends in loads of different states that we're going to you know, go and meet. But the big thing is Megan wants to go to Universal to do the Harry Potter stuff because uh, she's into Harry Potter almost as much as I'm into Star Wars. And then we're also going to go to Galaxy's Edge and do the lightsaber workshop and go on. You know, I know I've heard about all the, you know, with Rise of the Resistance, you have to get up like seven in the morning and do all that sort of jazz on the app. So I'm, I'm aware of that. Changed. It's over. Oh, they've stopped that now. They eliminated that. Just oh, like within God. the last two weeks. It's bad. It's, it might be worse now. Oh no! <laughs> well, so talk. Get on the business front of Disney. Um, I don't like what they're doing. I mean, we're Disney Vacation Club mm. owners, so we go every year, and so basically, it's kind of like a timeshare. Um, we book. We we paid for our fifty years of staying there. It's a fifty mm. year thing, you know. So we don't ever worry about a hotel. We stay on property. Um. But then you buy the tickets, still have to buy the tickets. And so for a family of four, you know, we spend a lot of money on park mm. tickets. And it's a hundred dollars a person they get in. And we mm. go for it, we go for eight days. Yeah. So just you know, add that up. Uh, and then food gets expensive. But what they just did was you used to have a fast pass magic band, mm-hmm. and you could just book your rides. Didn't yeah. cost anything, it was just a part of the experience. Well, they have kind of eliminated that. They came up with these Genie Plus series of Magic Band and these Lightning Lanes. And if you want to ride Rise of the Resistance, 
and cut the line, you have to pay like, I think it's $15 a person. Oof. Additional $15 a person. Yeah. I just, I don't know how they could even do that to, to I mean, it, it costs so much money just for a family to go. You almost have to be extremely rich to go to Disney. Mm, yeah, they, they saw like a, uh, a post about how that there was like a, um, what's it, it was like a, a, a GIF of some sort, I think it was, I think it's what on Reddit, and it was like showing in America, like how much rent, gas, and food is go, has gone up since like the 70s or something, and how much in admission to Disney World has. And I think it was Disneyland or Disney World was like, it's gone up by like 2,000% or some mental, when all the other costs have gone up by like four, five, six hundred 600%. And it's just like, like it was like even in two thousand, it was like a ticket into Disney was like forty one dollars, and now it's like you know hundreds. It's like great. So Bob Disney, Iger, Bob Iger yeah. is a genius. I read his book. You know, like he's an awesome role model for anybody who wants to get into business. Mm. He's the first uh, CEO to raise the park prices, mm. um, which they needed to 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 be competitive and to stay afloat. And Disney's an awesome place, but. Now they, they have another CEO. He's actually from like right down the road from where I live. Mm. Uh, but he completely just really screwed all the Disney fans. Cause you know, it's only been a couple weeks. Just wait, just wait, give it a couple months. And I guarantee you, you're going to see sales go way down. Mm. Because I don't see how people can afford this. Yeah. Family four, they're gonna spend. It's gonna cost ten to fifteen thousand dollars to. That's that's insane. Oh yeah, yeah, it, it it's madness. Like when me and Megan were talking about going over there, it's like okay, so if we travel to America and we spend a month there, if excluding Disney, it will cost you know a few grand. But including Disney, it just bumps it by like another whole grand. So it's just like. You know, it'll cost as an example for the two of us to go to America for like a month together and travel and stuff. It'd be like, you know, four grand between us ish. If we go to Disney, five, six grand. It's like so a, such a huge percentage of our trip to America for something that we want to do, both Disney and obviously Universal uh, Studios as well, which is still pricey, but not quite as much. It's just like, as you say, it's so much more with people who've got kids and stuff like yourself. And it's like, you, know, you want to make your kids happy. It's it's joyous when you take children to Disneyland or World, and they're so excited by it. And then it's like, oh yeah, it's either we go on like you know two or three holidays, or we go to Disneyland for like a week. It 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 is one of those things where it's just yeah, I do not envy, especially with the austerity and huge wage gaps and everything else in America as well that you guys have got uh, multiple monetary uh, issues with adding to the fact that you know disney world costs an absolute fortune we're always, help <laughs> we end up getting political on this podcast i won't do it in this one but we're not in we're in bad shape right now our, our we yeah. were doing so well and now it's taking a hard turn and it's not good gas is almost four dollars a gallon again mm. it's not the cost of food is the highest i've ever seen in my life yeah it's, yeah. it's, it's not good yeah so. it's uh over here, it's, it's similar in a lot of ways. Uh, Your voice was born for this, man. You have such a good, <laughs> such a good TV radio voice. <laughs> My dad used to have a face for the radio, if that counts. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Like, like I said, I'm not great at podcasting. I love the behind-the-scenes stuff. I love producing, uh, and I hate hearing my own voice. 
but I can listen to you. I can listen to your voice all day long. <laughs> well, thank you very much. I mean, a lot of people who know me think that I also love the sound of my own voice. I'd love to hear myself talking as well. It's one of the many reasons I started a podcast because yeah, I just waffle on so much about everything. <laughs> I'm the yeah, I'm I'm the talkative one of basically everyone I know. <laughs> for and I'm gonna splice this in. So for everybody listening, it's uh seven o'clock our time. It's one in the morning, two. In yeah, the morning. ten past one. Yeah. Yeah, one in the morning, your time. I thank you so much. We The next time we meet up, which I hope is several times, we have so much to talk about, whether it's books, comics, movies, uh, because Mike doesn't geek out like I do. But I'm, I love pop culture, and and we need to expand our audience pop culture, yeah. because I know there's people that, wanna, that like listening to it. But. Yeah. <laughs>